Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And it's the return of our Sunday show. Hi, everybody. I hope you've missed us. No. No, that's not what I meant to say. I hope today finds you well. That's what I meant to say. Uh, you won't be after if you've watched <laughs> what we watched this week. We didn't give you any instructions to watch this because we're doing this entirely on a whim. Uh, I yeah. watched something. I'm like, well, I need to talk about this. So I am going to uh, make my wreck, mother wreck watch my this. mother's mind by forcing <laughs> her to watch something. Is that a fair description of what I did to you this week? Uh, it comes pretty close. <sighs> All right. So you had to you had to know this was going to happen, though. Yeah. So. Well, no. Um, and I'll tell that story. I'll tell some stories about that. Uh. Uh, as we get into it, we watched Alan V. Farrow, uh, the documentary about Woody Allen and Mia Farrow and the divorce, well, divorce split up. Uh, they were never married. Uh, and the various abuse allegations that is on, available on HBO. Uh, so however you get HBO where you live, it is easy enough to grab. I would suggest watching it. If you just like to hear us talking about something that... <sighs> We find upsetting and compelling. You're free to do that. But if you want to know exactly what we're talking about, it takes four hours to watch. Faster if you watch it on double speed, the way you should, because of some of the horrific stuff that comes up. Might be better for, better for your sanity if you zipped through it a little. But that's, uh, that's, that's you. I'm not going to tell you how to engage with the show. But it's incredible. Well, um, I think they did it what personally can I say? from the start. I just want to say, I think they did an amazing job and I'll tell you my backstory about why I wanted to watch this. Um, I've never, and I'm like, I knew I wanted to watch this and I couldn't remember exactly. I couldn't figure out. It's like, I need to watch this thing. And I was like, why are you so obsessed with watching this thing? And I realized what it was is. I still had, not trauma exactly, I mean, not even trauma a little, but I had all of these emotions wrapped up that I didn't realize I had from the first time this all came out in the 90s. Because you cut, you were there for, like, every piece of this story. Yep. There's not a piece of this story that you didn't read about, watch a show about. Like, you covered every, and so all over the house was information about the story. And I read a ton of it. And as a consequence, there's a point in the movie. And this is, and I think this is why that it references. Cause I read uh, Dylan Farrow's article. There's this point where we get to this article. She wrote this big coming out article. Mm -hmm. And one of her favorite, the, like, um, the not favorite, but like the rhetorical device she uses over and over again is to ask you what your favorite Woody Allen movie is. And I'm like, as I was reading it that first time, I'm like, I don't have a favorite Woody Allen movie. Why is that? And as I was reading her, as I was reading her thing, I realized, oh my God, I know all of these details. This is why I could never get into Woody Allen. Like, I went to film school. I know all sorts of film people. Woody Allen is an, in, like, an incredibly important part of the curriculum. Not right. anymore. <laughs> not, well, not anymore. <laughs> but, but anyway, like, go on. He was this huge part of the curriculum of just like, and the language of talking about film. 
right? The, this whole period of the 70s and 80s where he was dominant in indie film, right? And for me, like, none of that really made an impact on me. I saw, um, I saw, you know, a couple of them. Sleeper, Everything You Need to Know About Sex. We watched Annie Hall in college. And of course, when Bullets Over Broadway was huge, I saw Bullets Over Broadway. But I never got into Woody Allen, and now I know why. Uh, uh, Say thank you, Mama. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I am glad I don't have to take back hours of talking about how great, you know, Woody, how wonderfully Woody (laughs) Allen captures the zeitgeist of the time, you know, the zeitgeist of New York intellectuals in the 1980s. I'm like, I don't have to do any of that. It's fantastic. And just be like, no. Never really care about to... Woody Allen. Yeah. yeah I don't have, have to apologize. No apologizing, no backtracking, no nothing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, by the 80s, I already, that's, I mean, that's, I was trying to think about that. We're, yeah. we're, we'll talk about specifics later, but of course. I was trying to talk about, I was trying to think. Yeah. About what was the last Woody Allen film I ever saw. I didn't like, what is it? What's that? Tiger Lily or whatever? Yeah. Um, I wasn't a fan of Sleeper, particularly. It's yeah, not a there very were good movie. There's a few moments in it. I, um, I don't think it's fantastic, but I will admit there's a few moments. And I can remember that there, there weren't, like, they didn't, his early films didn't, don't bear rewatching. No. And I think I have seen, when did he do Crimes and Misdemeanors? Whichever one he did with Michael Caine. That was Crimes, well, no, he did two Crimes and, uh, no, you're thinking of Hannah and Her Sisters. Okay. I don't think, is Michael Caine in Crimes and Misdemeanors? I don't think Michael Caine's in Crimes and Misdemeanors. I can't remember. Whatever Michael, maybe whatever Michael. Hannah and Her Sisters was the big one from like 86, 87. Michael Caine won an Oscar for it. Uh, okay. So that was a big one. And then, okay, is uh, that the Oscar he won for? No, best supporting was Cider House Rules. Yeah, yeah, that was against Tom Cruise. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll talk about yeah. that later. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about not that a lot. not in that not in this not, not yeah. in this context. No, um, of course not. But I am trying to think about the last one I saw, and because yeah. you know, I know another, for a fact you saw Crimes and Misdemeanors back in the uh, back in the late eighties because I watched it with you on video. Like, I know yeah. you've seen that. Yes. Yeah, so, and I can remember, and I, but I have not seen Broadway, Danny Bullets Rose, over Broadway. Bullets okay. Over, or Bullets Broadway, over Danny Broadway. Rose, Bullets Over Broadway. Yeah. Um, I did see Zelig, and I wasn't impressed. Yeah. Um, and I guess I got tired of a whiny Woody Allen. <laughs> no, okay. Early. Very early. I got just tired. I mean, it was, it was funny. The first couple of times. The first, the first few movies. Take the Money and Run was the first one I ever saw. I saw it with my husband before, even before we got married. Yeah. Um, I saw that one and I saw the one in Russia, Love and Death. Right. And that was pretty good too. It was still, although it was already getting a little, it was, too long i can even remember thinking at the time it should be tighter yeah um 
so but by the time we get to sort of the 80s and he's doing all these films scenes from a mall and and stuff and i was just getting purple rose of cairo just I did see, I think I saw, Purple Rose of Cairo is the one where the person comes out of Jeff the Jeff Daniels comes out of the movie screen, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. So I did see that. Do I remember much about it <laughs> except, right? I mean, it. it yeah. uh, when I think about it, even with Crimes and Misdemeanors, because I don't think I saw Hannah and her sisters. Okay. But because by then, um, I was already kind of Ish tired. About him? about Woody Allen and I do have because we used to get the New York Times yeah the Sunday New York Times and I did find the um massive article on Woody and Mia a New York story (laughs) um and they actually show the front page of it in the movie when they're talking about in this in this documentary Documentary, that we're watching I remember right um they show it and I do did have it and I have read it but, you know, um, there are all sorts of things one can say, mm-hmm. but I, I, but it's, I only, but I kept it for some yeah. reason I kept it and it became more relevant within a year. Like yeah. this story came out in January, 1991 and all hell starts to break loose in late. Oh, I have no in Okay, he adopts, that's it, he adopts Dylan and Moses at the end of 1991. Yeah. And in 19, in January 1992, so a month later. This star, stuff starts she to finds come. She finds the pictures, the... Um, the <laughs> naked hardcore. picture. Yeah, the, the hardcore pornography starring her... 18 year old daughter and her law, you know, her common law husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it all starts coming out. And it all starts to ravel from then. Yeah. So, so I had already, I had already kind of thought, I think what's up tiger Lily was the one that made me. Oh, and for the record, gave um, me creeps just to be clear. And I get that. Uh, just if case you haven't seen it, uh, Woody Allen is an American director and he, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't do that. Uh, no, he, uh, he married his stepdaughter, essentially. And they will be like, oh, they only got together after she went to university. But as they cover in the thing, uh, in the movie, she sure as hell seemed to spend a lot of time at his private New York apartment in the middle of the afternoon when she was in high school, going to high Already. school or private school six blocks away when she was 17 years old. So their narrative about only getting together when she was like 18, a year later and going to college, a lot of people don't believe it. Mia Farrow sure as hell doesn't believe it. And she makes a strong no, case. And no. And I mean, yeah. I, uh, no, I mean, I have to, I have to go back and think about what I thought be- before we as we say talk because it's it's not i don't know i mean no first of all he'd been grooming her for ages i mean if we're going to talk a little bit about the sunyi that's a whole separate story from this one it was just sort of a catalyst Mm -hmm. um that started put the marriage on the rocks and he's coming back to her 
you know, no, I still love you. And well, no, no. And I've made a mistake and stuff like that. Well, no, you don't sleep with your, your partner's daughter. Jesus. Even if she's not related. Now, the other thing and the other problem that they don't discuss. Yeah. Right. Is that not only is she adopted, right, but she was already seven years old. And she does talk about that and how hard it was for her to bond. But the key in all of that with Sonia Mm -hmm. is that she was on the street by herself for a couple of years and hanging out. So when she was five, six, seven, Seven. hanging out with a bunch of guys, you know, I mean, on the street, it was just part on the street because her mother dumped her. Yeah. Just literally, literally left her on a street corner and just walked away. So I'll be back later. Never saw her mother again. So, yeah, it's not a shock that Sunyi ended up real screwed. I had no, like, when I heard that part in the documentary, I'm like, oh, my God, no wonder this lady ended up such a mess. Yeah. And the other thing I will say right now is that I don't know if anybody, because they didn't show it, because this story is not about Sunyi and Woody Allen. But I did look up and and wanted to know if they had children. They did. Uh, they adopted two. Have you seen a picture of the two I of those children? Seen, I have not seen. Pictures You've got of this one, one beautiful little blonde-haired child. Oh no! Oh yeah, and one, one that looks uh, Asian. <laughs> wow! They've adopted two children: one, a blonde-haired Dylan, and Type and one and, that's kind of like her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, she, that's she, creepy. Oh, creepy doesn't speak. And I had already, as I said, like, and I can remember thinking, well, I, I can, because I guess what's up, Tiger Lily, really, that was probably where I drew the sort line. Of, I, I just didn't like it. It was yeah. creepy. So yeah. from my perspective, dirty old man. Yeah. I mean, that's all I could think about with, about Woody old man. Alan and his obsession with with young women, right? Dirty well, old man. Isn't so, that one of the most interesting parts of the documentary? And I read the article that this guy wrote when he wrote it, and he's interviewing yeah. the documentary. It's not a big part, but he went through the archives that Woody Allen sends all of his notes to. Yeah. And the this amazing monologue he goes on about how like every single, like not every single one, but almost every single script an idea has has Woody Allen romancing a sexually aggressive 18-year-old. Yeah. Like, I mean, all of them. That's the story he tells over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, these these 18-year-olds just want to have sex with me so badly, and, you know, I, I keep getting trapped. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ, Woody. Yeah, no, and that's what Manhattan, I mean, that, that focus about. on Manhattan was really good. Oh, it was very um, smart. Because Especially when they talk to the the true, like, the woman that Manhattan is about. Oh, yes. And that's as she said, she will ne- Yeah, and as she said at the time, and she she has actually come to terms with it, yeah. because she actually said, well, yeah, at the time, and it, she was 16 when it began. Mm-hmm. And, and she was a model, and she'd been raped yeah. Twice, oh, I be- know. four times between the age of 12 and 14. I know. And her parents knew about it, right? Oh. And she said, and then she ended up with Alan and she trusted him and he felt safe. And then she goes on and says, but I have a daughter and I will never let my daughter be alone with an yeah. older man. Under any circumstance. It's says, so horrifying. Tells you, 
but it tells you everything you need to know about how she finally realized just what that relationship with Woody Allen was. Now, I found that okay. heartwarming because when it first broke about the Manhattan and her, like all of the news stories, and now I know why all of the news stories, tried to lean towards the thing where she was fine with it and she felt self-actualized and it was like, uh, you know, a normal relationship and blah, 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 blah. And that seems so questionable to me, I think, for obvious reasons. <laughs> Well, right. I think so. But you see what happens is, is when you're still reasonably young and plus her, you know, and your kind of career, you're going to say nice things anyway. You see yeah. people doing oh, that. Course. It's like it's like John Stewart saying nice things about criminal minds. But boy, was he happy Josh when he Stewart. got to talk. Josh Stewart. Yeah. Right. Ta got to talk about his own stuff. His own project. And I glad know. that we were that we really Big liked his, pro of, yeah, of yeah. his projects. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. Right. There's your duty. Yeah. And um and plus she was still relatively young when when um it first broke for all that. When stuff. it first yeah. broke, yes. And of course Woody Allen has still deni denies that he had a relationship with her. I know, right? I mean, you, you know, made you the just... movie Manhattan. We know you had a relationship with her. And she's not denying it, so what the hell are you, you know? Yeah. And nobody yeah. was going to arrest him for statutory rape. Oh god. You know, well, I mean, here, it, it, you know, you just kind of yeah, look at it, right? And um, even to, even to all of this. And he, but, so, it was, yeah. So, when this all broke, the first broke and the Sun Yi thing broke, I'm going, mm -hmm. yeah, figures predator you creepy, creepy dirty because, old man yeah dirty old man <laughs> yeah because i mean by the time he's it's the you know in the in the 80s the man is in his 40s and he's still making all these movies about his obsession with teenagers yeah you know it's creepy even and though so, he this as you said the soon ye thing because he had essentially confessed over and over again on film you weren't surprised at all no. I mean, it's it's I mean, double creepy because it's his stepdaughter. Yes, but you know, ugh. Yeah, God. and and then, yeah, the, I don't, the I... way the like the way I saw these press like all of these press stories in retrospect about oh well you know they only got together when she was age thing and she's so mature and really you know Woody Allen has a history of getting taken advantage of by sexually voracious teenagers. I'm like, what is happening? Like, why is the news parroting all this stuff? And in this movie, you find out why the news parrots all this stuff. It's because there are PR people who yep. are unbelievably powerful. Who yeah. completely well, control the narrative. Well, and that's always been the way it's been in the movie business. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, it was, I mean, Lana Turner. I mean, all you have to do oh is read God. these stories later on. I mean, that poor woman. I know. From beginning to end. Right? Oh. Um, they're, they're stories. They, they've always covered up rape. They've always covered up, you know, yeah. all these starlets, you know, well, you pay hey, them off and send them off. The, all you need to know is the Loretta Young story, mm -hmm. you know, like with her being sexually assaulted by Clark Gable and then having to adopt her own daughter to, so she, cause she's like, I'm Catholic. I'm not giving up. I'm not having an abortion. I'm not giving up my daughter. They're like, well, we have to figure out a way to do it without destroying your career. And that's what Eddie Mannix came up with. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's you're, like, you're, okay, you're going to be a good Catholic woman who adopts a foundling. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. And that's the press stories. I mean, yeah. and um, I, I mean, that's the big thing. We should talk about some of it at the end, this business of the art and the artist, because they left that till the last the yeah, fourth we'll talk episode about that at the end because that's going to come up on you know that's going to come up a lot when we start doing uh uh <laughs> style section the wise guy podcast in a couple of weeks art the artist is gonna be a major thing oh. we're gonna have to spend a lot of time talking about okay and here's the here's the funny thing right yes. this this was this one little thing right in the fourth episode mm-hmm. they're doing the that I think it was the Golden Globes that did this whole gave Woody Allen a special award and so Diane funny, Keaton I accepted. tweeted about that immediately. And did I you see mean, Kevin Spacey? Yes. <laughs> like when they were it editing so this perfect. thing, when they were editing this thing, they must have thought like they won the lottery because yeah. you got Diane Ke- Diane Keaton there accepting award for Woody Allen. And the first person they cut to in the audience applauding is Kevin Spacey. I cracked what? up. I just cracked up. It couldn't have been It was perfect. Better. It was perfect. Oh my God. I love that so much. Yeah. And I did, you know, and um, so, you know, you just sort of sit there and go, oh, um, sometimes irony. Yeah, I know. Just breaks through. You can't help it. It's it's um, like, you know, God as author is speaking directly to us. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and that is this that is that is the thing about <coughs> about these people that sort of I, I wrote down something. We'll talk later about that. Let's get to of the course. first the first I mean the first, the first part section was, of it. Like yeah. if there is oh I want to say one other overall thing. Oh, of course. One overall thing about the experience of watching it go. Is that one of the things I walked away from this is there aren't very many good psychiatrists and psychologists out there, are there? We are going to talk about the worst child psychologist on earth in a minute. That's going to come up. (laughs) When I saw that guy, oh, wow. Oh, no. I'm talking, I'm even talking about her... When when she wanted to first come out, remember yeah. in the in the last one where Ronan Farrow, this yeah. that was this was the last therapist. Yeah. Um, it was Dylan's therapist. But when Ronan is talking to her, why do you want to bring all of this up again? And yeah. why don't you just let it lie, etc.? And so she publishes her op-ed. Yeah. I mean, and getting that thing published was a nightmare. Yeah. Because the New York Times wouldn't publish yeah, Woody it. Allen they, would do anything to stop that from being published. And and they verified everything. Yep. They uh, that's what they told them the New claims. York Times. Yep. All of her claims were verified, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't publish it so one of their correspondents who has his own blog blogged it, just put it on yep. his blog. I remember when it happened. Yeah, and you know, but she's talking at one point about how her therapist even was saying, well, you know, but you've, you could undo all of the damage that you've done, that all the healing that you've come up with. Yeah. And she goes, no, who <laughs> says I'm healed? I like, don't it, feel healed. I no. Know. I mean, oh. if there is anything that is like, if I was to say anything, Dylan is going to go down 
Like I don't have, I don't sit there. Like there's, I can look at all of these people and all of these people are kind of, I can give you reasons why they're doing and saying what they're saying. Yeah. Be- because sometimes you just know that there's a lack of self. There's still a lot of self-denial, even in yeah. Mia, um, about some things. Um yeah, in obviously. terms of because I don't think she's ever seen a real therapist about all of this. I think that's clear. Yeah. Okay. So there there's all sorts of things there. But Dylan, yeah, she has done mm-hmm. the whole thing. She she's done the been, work. She's done the work. She knows how she felt. And when I listen to her talking, like like I'm listening to all of this in the first episode, and yes. This was very difficult for me to watch. I, I would imagine. I have I have been there. Yeah. It's not incest in my case, but I have been You've there. Been through this exact thing. This yeah. thing, you cause massive, you you tell, you do something, you tell the truth. Your parents believe you. Like I was mm-hmm. one of the lucky ones. My parents believed me, but the disruption and the mess it caused in the family. Mm-hmm. Um and and to my whole life and everything else right around it yep i and i'm going yeah that's what you do when you're 8 7 8 9 you know yep. I, because you know and maybe you should have kept your mouth shut or maybe you shouldn't have you already started that age of blaming yourself somehow or another right that it caused this massive in her case the disruption was much more massive Oh God! And yeah. in her case, I mean, but it it is you know it that first episode is just so hard. There are all of these people who knew he was behaving inappropriately with her, yeah, with her, and you know, and it's not like they didn't sort of say things or whatever. And even Mia Farrow, you know, and then that psychiatrist that she oh. took him to who said. Well, yes, you know, he's he's just not used to children. Well, Mia, Mia, first of all, if you if you're involved with a man who doesn't want anything to do with children, how could you be so stupid? You got more. And yes, bringing him into the life. But how could you have been so stupid? The man wanted nothing to do with children. Yeah. And you've got at that point something like 12. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know if it was 12, but it's a lot of kids. Mm-mm. It might have been 12. She ended up eventually, all told, 17. Oh, okay, yeah. So at that point, it probably was 12. I was wrong. She had three. She had three with uh, Andre Previn, biological. She also adopted three Mm -hmm. while they were married. Um, So that was already six. And then when they got divorced, she she adopted uh, Moses, who turned on her. Okay, so that's five, that's seven, and mm-hmm. then she has, and then she had, she adopted Dylan, and then she had Ronan, and then she adopted another one, and then that's ten, and then she has adopted a couple more since. In fact, one of the mm-hmm. ones she adopted had coronavirus. Damn. And yes, and it was quite bad. She's called Quincy now, but her name was some something else. All these children changed their names. Yeah. Sort of. It was of. fascinating to me. Like, yeah. Because you get just enough about her childhood to make you understand why it has become her life's quest to give as many kids 
uh, good upbringings as she can. And you also understand how like that history and her own, you know, spotty mental problem, her spotty history, mental problems, why people choose to see some people choose to see. And they were able to frame her obsession with rescuing kids as a narcissistic activity that's really about her. I, yeah, don't, I don't I don't know that it is, but no, I understand I how so. they were able to make that accusation oh, this, and make this, it stick in people's heads. Like yeah, the, the documentary I, does an amazing job of establishing all of that. You know, I mean, it is just it, uh, some of the things that people said, right? Yeah. No, and I just think she she just like the polio. If anybody wants to know why you should get a polio vaccine, yeah. just watch that little clip when she talks Oof. And they show her in, she's in the hospital. She had to have a spinal tap. She's lucky. She was one of the lucky ones. She walked out of, well, she didn't walk out of there. No, no, she wheeled out of there, but she could have been paralyzed for the rest of her life. Yes. I'm just saying she was in a wheelchair for a while. Yeah. And, and polio and so many people died. As they say, it was a polio Mm -hmm. epidemic. And um, that scars you. Um, Oh, yeah. It's um I anyway I don't want to I don't want to get away from this this thing I've that got, yeah we're not going to focus are on other that stories part. but yeah, but no that, no we're not but that they do a but, great job sure. all I'm saying is they do a great job of explaining how she ended up this way like why she prioritizes the kids over everything else in her life yeah you know like and uh they because I mean Woody Allen and his people did such a good job of making her sound crazy. Because she's got all these kids. But the show does a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, version of telling what we haven't seen before, her side of the story. Oh, I, what's fascinating is, is I read this article from The Guardian. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, he's in, and he's talking, well, they only talk to the, to the white kids, the biological. I'm going, no, that's not true. Um, you know. Not at all. And nope. it, it is it is fascinating what people see. I did I did look like in between in between sort of episodes and I, I had to take a break breaks periodically, right? Yeah. And then I would look up a few different things. And um I did post on my Facebook page an article from Esquire. Yeah. About and basically about this fact that why do men? I mean, I was watching this thing and going, yeah, this is why my blog blog post is called. So they think we're crazy. So they think we're crazy. No, we're not crazy. (laughs) You know, we're not. Women are not crazy. We're not hysterical. I thought the job that they did on explaining this idea of hysteria and how they was really good. We'll get to that doctor in a bit. Because, oh my god. Uh, it's That doctor is one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. And no, I've haven't seen read, a lot you of haven't horrifying read, things. Yeah, you haven't read Dobson. Well, no, I haven't. But No. <laughs> you haven't read man, Generation of Vipers yet, either. Nope. I mean, it was straight out of Generation of Vipers. Yeah, we'll, the Vipers we'll, are the mothers, of course. Yeah, of course. They're, it's always the mother who gets blamed. Yeah. We all saw Scream 2. It's always the mother who gets blamed. <laughs> that's a non sequitur no, thing. Thank you for laughing at my bizarre non sequitur. Well, uh, yes, but I will tell you that watching this, like yeah. the episode after episode, mm-hmm. um, 
it was it but the hardest part was listening to alan yeah oh okay and that's i think the amazing thing that they accomplish in this yeah is that they get his own words yeah like i don't know how because he was secretly recording all of their conversations every time he got on the phone with her he was lying to her and saying he wasn't but he was secretly recording every conversation they had right and that's kind of amazing. And I don't know how they shook those conversations loose. It must have been in no, the lawsuit. No, they're her. No, no. You missed that. Oh, that's, those are her recordings of that. Those because she assumed he was recording her. Oh, you're right. Those are and her then, recordings. Okay, and see, so she taught. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and you can. I mean, there's so much in here it's that so you've dense. been missing. It's yeah. dense. And I don't know if I can ever watch it again, but. Probably um, not. But it yes, would, he was recording and she was recording. And so. And we she, have access to all then she when when she figured out because she it was the conversation she got a little suspicious, and so she mentioned this to her her eldest son Fletcher, yeah. and he said, "Well, he said, why don't you just record him?" Yeah, and she said, right, "But yes. I don't know how to do that." And then Fletcher <laughs> sorted set it, it all up. Yeah, I remember it up now. For Thank her. you. Yeah. No, yeah, I had completely forgotten that part. Yeah, 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 he set it all up for it. Being a good son, you know. Yeah. Just, you know, spying on his old stepfather. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the lucky ones who had had a father. I mean, that was. Oh, yeah. He had a father. And let's not forget, he was off at college when this all happened. Yeah. Like he was uh, like when this stuff went down, he had just left for college. So he uh, missed the worst of it. Yeah. And who knows what would have happened if he'd been there that day. But that's a whole other conversation. But he didn't, he didn't much like Woody Allen either, clearly. Yeah, well, you know, and I think that, that they, it, I mean, that's, um, that is, that is sort of fascinating. There are fascinating things. It's, I mean, through this whole thing with Dylan's story and then, you know, uh, she's the, as I said, she's clearly credible she's clearly come to terms with all of this and worked out and she talks you know and she talks about some of these ptsd moments and um i think you know what i found most compelling right is the way first off like you said all of the hearing woody allen right (sighs) like a the conversations where he's gaslighting her which are horrific but then Mm -hmm. almost as bad are the excerpts from his book where he is like building up this justification where everyone is out to get him. Oh, yeah. so hard to listen to. It is very difficult to listen to him mm-hmm. um, across the board. There's yeah. no, there's no question about that. Um, oh, absolutely. She, uh, he, and, and I mean, this, this whole business with, that child abuse center in uh, yep. New Haven. Wow. I mean, that was, that was criminal. And, and, you know, and, and the guy in New York, mm-hmm. I mean that like, I, you know, I, it's funny when you read how people take that. Right. And, yeah. and when I'm, when I'm listening to it, no, I mean, that's, he got, he got fired. Yeah. And he, uh, because he said, well, yeah, there's credible. We have to follow up on this, blah, blah, blah. And so they fired because, and, and he talked to the social workers in the New Haven report who mm-hmm. also believed that she was telling the truth, but yeah. that's not 
what the final report said, and they burned all their notes. That was the crazy part. They burned all the notes. Yeah, and then they the destroyed final, them. Yeah. The final report's like, we think it's not credible. And the reasons they come up with for thinking it's not credible is apparently at age seven, Dylan said that all of this happened at magic hour. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, obviously this is just, she's using words like magic. Obviously she must just be making this up. And she's even admitting it by using words like magic. As if, because like none of these people know that that's just a film turn for the half hour before sunset when the light is golden. Yes. <laughs> and as she said, my entire life was spent on film sets. I think of the half hour before sunset as golden hour. Everyone magic hour. Magic Oh my God. Magic hour. Every, calm you know, down. Everyone on film sets. No, it made me so angry. Yeah, it's I know. It's hard to calm down. Because I know. when they go to the investigators and she's absolutely, and I know how false like accusations are created. And as they said, they pointed out, there's no reason to interview this child 12 times. Well, nine times at, at, at New Haven. Yeah. And then she'd been interviewed other times as well, yeah, you know, like and a total and... of like more than a dozen times. And it's like the way you get what happened out of a child is not to over and over again, interrogate them. And every time they make a mistake or something changes, right to then interrogate them about it because you've got these people saying if they change thing they cut it uh is because it's made up but if they stay exactly the same it's because it's a rehearsed story that their mother told them i know it was it was oh. no it, it, the whole thing is got off it made like, me sick and i even felt i felt so sorry for the connecticut district attorney i know right because he said, yes, there's probable cause to arrest this man and put him on trial. But she had literally yeah. frozen. Mm -hmm. She couldn't talk about it anymore. And and he said, we can't go. Yeah, we can't we go can't, to trial. Because those were the days still where he would have been sitting in the courtroom. Yep, he would have been sitting in the courtroom. She would have while had to she, look directly yeah. at him while all this was happening. We had such a fight. And there's still a fight, but there's such a fight over getting children to be able yeah. to be away from their abusers. Yeah. When they're, especially when, when, when they, they have to, when they have to testify. Yeah. You know, um, particularly in incest cases. And oh, I think, God, yeah. I mean, as, as Dylan said, I mean, the incest, I mean, and they did such a good job of explaining sort of the problems with incest Cases. cases yeah that you have this person who 80 percent of the time 90 percent of the time is is fine mm -hmm. but there's this 10 percent or 15 percent where there's this this horrible malevolent creepy person yeah and and how do you put all of that together yeah it's very confusing for a child Absolutely. and child children listen to their father but everybody mm -hmm. noticed how creepy Woody Allen was with this child who wasn't even his own. I know. That's the thing that blew uh, that blew me away, that I had no idea the part he of was... the story where, like, everybody around was like, this is a weird relationship. He He's with obsessed Dylan. with this child. He's obsessed with her. Like, he just wants to touch her all the time. Yeah, I mean, Ugh. oh, and that's some fucking thing. Oh, the thumbs. I know. Teaching her how to suck. Thumb? And I'm going, Ugh. 
Mia! Mia! Get her away from him. Mia, how could you not have Detect thought that was, was wrong weird? I know, and creepy. And yeah, creepy. Like, how? Yeah, you know, it was just like... It's insane. Like she, as I said, she had her own... But it's like, did anyone witness the sexual assault? No. But everyone, everyone saw how creepy he was with Dylan. Yeah. You know, even people... even to a person, a, 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 a psychiatrist who, I guess, lived in the building. Yeah. And talked to me weird. at one point and thought it's that it was inappropriate. Yeah, with each other. Like, yes. It's weird how he is with Dylan. Like, literally, just someone who sees them in the lobby and on the elevator took it upon themselves to go to Mia Fair and be like, yeah, this is not appropriate behavior. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I'm going, <laughs> what about Mia Farrow's life with John Farrow yeah. and Maureen O'Sullivan led her to somehow or another not, not see this? I know. It's a really good question. I mean, yeah. how happy was, I mean, it's like how we say about the Melanie Griffith situation. How happy are you if you run off and marry Don Johnson at age 17? Yeah. And it's like, how great was her? And I mean, it's like, I don't want to be too much of a jerk about this, but how great must her life have been at home if she ran off and married Frank Sinatra? Yes. When she was still a child. Yeah. She's, I think she was 21 or something. I know. But, but when, he was, I, God only knows how old he that's was. That's my point. He was in his 50s. And the same thing. I mean, she doesn't, we, I mean, we're, now we're analyzing Mia Farrell, yeah, but yes, Mia she, Farrell. she, and she got herself, and Woody Allen was no spring chicken either God, when no. she got involved with him. No, he was. Neither was Andre Previn. Nope. He, and so, yeah, there's, there's something there. As you say, we're not, it's not appropriate for us to like, <laughs> well, we decide, can we can speculate, but we're not yeah. saying anything about her, but it is strange that she only hooks up with these much older men. Much more mature, much more powerful men. And it is powerful. Is what When she hooked up with Frank Sinatra, was there a more powerful person in the entertainment industry? Nope. Than Frank Sinatra? And when Woody Allen, was there a more powerful man in New York than Woody Allen? No. Nope. Nope. Not at all. So it's like... And she, they're all predators. And they're all predators. I mean, the, and the funny thing is, is that Andre Previn left Dory... Mm -hmm. Oh, I can still remember that all of that, right? Because yeah. I mean, Mia Farrow's been around in all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, and then Dory Previn does this album, right? It's just ripping apart, brutal, yeah. brutal, and blaming Mia for it, yep. right? Um, basically, and then there was, and then there was, uh, so Frank Sinatra, Andre, but Andre mm -hmm. Previn left her for her mm -hmm. best friend. I know. You know, you're going one thing one, after another. You know, she she picks these horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible, predatory men. I will say this about uh, Ronan Farrow. Yeah, keep maybe keep that hair long for a while. Uh, it makes you look less like your dad. <laughs> uh, like it's so obvious looking at him that he's Frank Sinatra's son. Like well, there's no there's no question. He's obviously Frank Sinatra's son, because I know enough about DNA to say that if you add the Pharaoh DNA to the Woody Allen DNA, you can't, like, science can't create somebody who looks just like Frank Sinatra. 
Well, he doesn't look just, I'd have to go back and look at the early pictures of Frank Sinatra, but. Look at young Frank Sinatra. Well, you know what? Ronan Farrell in his suit when he's looking trim and you'll be like, yeah, that's, that's Frank Sinatra's son. Well, here's, here's the interesting thing about that though. Okay. Is that I would give sort of credence to that because she had been trying and trying and trying to get pregnant Mm -hmm. from Woody Allen. And it never happened. And it never happened. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it happened. Pregnant? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Suddenly. Oh yes. Yeah. You know. Um. And I would not be surprised if the rumors are true. And a lot of the rumors are just based on what this in guy looks like. Well, you know, I mean, it it is it is an interesting. It's an inter as they say, you can speculate because Ronan isn't as rangy. Frank Sinatra was rangy. He absolutely was. Yeah. And, and who knows? I mean, he could have, I mean, if you look at John Farrow. Yeah. Like her father, Mm -hmm. you know, you can definitely see a resemblance there. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to, unless, unless somebody wants to go do a DNA test. (laughs) You're not going to be as confident about this as I am. No, no. I, uh, that's fine. I'm just saying there are angles. Uh, You know what? Next time I'll show you Ronan Farrow's author portrait on his book. And you'd be like, oh, okay. You win. (laughs) That is my prediction. This is getting us talking. I mean, I just thought it was a fun thing to talk about. No, no, but it is. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, neither one of these these people are are perfect by any stretch of the imagination. God, no. But Woody Allen has always been a predator, mm-hmm. and I mean, he always was, and he was uh, even if he couldn't put through go through with it. Yeah. But Nia Nia was very waif like. Oh God, yeah. She you know, looked so young for so long. so long, right? Yeah, and, she really did. And then you know, um, and yeah. And it is, it is in some ways just amazing. And you watch this and I think that, you know, to get back to the case when the, when the district attorney just decided, okay, we're not going to do this. I can't put her through this. And she, you know, when I, I'm glad that he kind of took all the decision-making and said out of their hands, yeah. out of her hands. And yeah. Mia was just as happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Dylan has always, why wasn't I strong enough to say something? Well, look at the honey, position you're in. You were seven, seven years, years old. Yeah. And you were put and, in this impossible position. Yeah. And you're not strong and you are dealing with one of your, this man is one and she would never have understood that at seven and this mess and all these people and helicopters Mm -hmm. flying over, you know, because the media, this was the, and that's what this, that's what this article in the New York times says. And this is that they are the, and they quote it in there too, Mm -hmm. the power cup. They were the New York power couple. Yep. Carly Simon was interesting. Yeah. Because he gaslighted her, mm-hmm. you know, and he took away any kind of confidence she has. And if you see that picture, I'm not sure. I don't know why they call them the power couple, but what a strange looking couple. And she doesn't look much more older than 18 or 19. I know. Even she, when she's, she just, she's you know, stayed 30 young for she so long, for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
And I guess maybe she started to get wrinkles and then Woody lost interest and decided yeah. to go for a younger model. Um, Transferred his attention over to a literal child. Yes. Ugh. Yes. Because he could. Yeah. Because he it's could. Up, it's upsetting. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the big thing. And it's, you know, he has, he has the Dylan that he's obsessed with. And then he's mm -hmm. got Sun Yi. Yep. You know, who's, who's who he has groomed into need. being someone who's for, yeah. Yeah. Who he has groomed extensively. And it was funny because apparently they've done an interview. Sun Yi did an interview over the oh, last really? couple of years, except that he sat on the couch with her. Oh, yeah, that got mentioned. This, like, the big interview with Sun Yi. And then the guy mentions, you know, he was sitting next to her on the couch the whole the time. The entire interview. And he kept jumping in. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So mm -hmm. maybe it really isn't Sun Yi speaks out. No, no, but I mean, she's always, what is, what is she going to do? I mean, it's an Una, what it is, is a Charlie Chaplin and Una O'Neill situation. situation, right? Yeah. yeah, it feels the same. Yeah, it feels the same. And you can, you can know how well that went. Take a look at their kids. I know, right? Oh, I mean, and that's the other thing. Like they don't, you know, this, this Guardian article was just crap. I, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, no, I will never subscribe to the Guardian. They yeah. want me to, but I I just can't. After reading this thing, right? I'm going, no, no, no. I'll just I'll just look mm -hmm. look at your articles when there's one there I want to look at. When there's one of value, yeah. Because you know, and they bring up the well, you know, they didn't bring up in this in this in this thing, uh, you know, about her brother. Well, yes, her brother is serving ten years. Yep. For sex for sexual assault, he's a pedophile mm -hmm. of boys. Yep. And he's serving 10 years. And then, yeah, and her three and three of her children are dead. Well, yep. let me see. One died of HIV AIDS mm -hmm. that she contracted from a previous. Well, that that's that's iffy. It, like yeah. uh, Moses said she got it from a tattoo. But uh, when Mia Farrow finally said something, she said she got it from a previous relationship. Yeah. However. Right. And. um but anyway, she had had HIV AIDS and finally died of it 10 yeah. years, 10, she had well, she it for She did have a child years. killed themselves. And then that was, yes. Yeah. yeah. And one, but then I'm going, uh, look at the Kennedys. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, look at, look at any of these power couples, any mm -hmm. of these relationships and their children and yeah. how many people are, how many children are eaten I know, by, by all this, of this by this, this system. media this yeah, system the media system yeah and everything else you know um their parents don't know how to handle it and the rest of it and then there's the drugs and then there's everybody else I look mean, okay the... let me just say do i think mia farrow was a perfect mother no i don't okay? nobody is nobody is arguing that she was a perfect mother and she made mistakes like anybody else and i gotta say when you got 17 kids and they're all adopted and they all had a variety of real problems before they were adopted, some of those kids are going to have severe problems and some of those kids might end up killing themselves. And it's horrible, yeah. but I don't think she was a terrible parent. Oh, no, I, I just think, don't see any know, evidence of that. No, and, and it was, you know, um, 
it is it is an interesting thing no the one the one child that killed himself apparently he was going to get married and i guess his his woman i mean moses for example has cerebral palsy oh i didn't know he had cerebral palsy yeah yeah that's you know she adopted a child with cerebral palsy she adopted the the other ones out of vietnam you know and then she took this seven-year-old who'd been living on the street Mm -hmm. um now you know um so yes, are you going to have issues and are you going to be not perfect? And I am sure that because essentially she was always a single mother. Mm-hmm. Even when she was married, she was a single well, mother. To, to, well, to Previn, yeah. I think for the first few years that was, that probably went relatively well. But, oh, absolutely. But, you know, then he left her and we all know about Woody Allen only being interested, like, was there for a bunch of the children, obviously, but more interested in the ones he could later have sex with. Yeah. I mean, we all know how Woody Allen behaved in those relationships. I mean, for the love of God, like, you would never, like, from the way Woody Allen acted, he certainly didn't act like someone who had a bunch of kids, is what I'm saying, in public. Well, no, he had no interest in children. Yeah, he really didn't. No, and he said so. And he yeah. told her and, yeah. you know, and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, it was very clear, but she mm-hmm. also just kind of accepted that. And she lived with the children separately and he lived by himself mm-hmm. separately. And those relationships. Yeah, that's fine. Like I didn't have, didn't, you don't have any problems sort of thinking about this and they're working together all the time, you know, but the very fact that he kept putting her in movies tells you that she was good, but he, he threatened her for heaven's sakes. You'll never work in, you'll never work in this industry again. Oh yeah. And for a long while, she she didn't for a long while work in Europe. Yeah. That was the whole thing. And that that's part of the thing that amazed me is like, I remember her having a bunch of movies in the 80s. And it's like, yeah, it was uh, 90s. Sorry, in the yeah. 90s. Sorry. And yeah. it was all in Europe. Yep. And that's, that's why. the only place she could get work. And I'm like, okay, well, now I understand that finally. Yeah. Well, oh. all you have to do, once you understand the power that these people have, and that yeah. that's what the Me Too movement is all about, is talking yeah. about the power this that these... Power. These, these, these huge power imbalances. Yeah, the cultural power imbalances mm-hmm. where they can destroy you. Yep. You know, and the fact that they lived separately and that she had these children is probably the reason she wasn't totally destroyed. And I really oh, yeah. do think she he thought he could talk her out of it. Oh, it does seem that way when you're listening yeah. to them. And when you listen to him, you know, <laughs> and when yeah. you... It's it's like he could he could manipulate her into believing whatever he wanted her to believe. He sincerely thought that. Yeah. Like that and, is clear. Yes. That he and, thought he could talk her into anything. Yeah. And she didn't bite. I know. God. Such a I I mean it was a horrifying every part of this was horrifying. It was okay. it was just it, but I, can I can we now come in on the thing that I found most horrifying, which is the psychiatrist whose entire career is claiming that parents never like fathers never molest their children. And every time that's ever said, 
it's the wife uh, and mother, like, manipulating the kids to try and destroy the father. Yeah, yeah. Wow. He wrote a whole book and everybody thought this was just great. And then you ended up in with this parent alienation syndrome Parental thing. alienation syndrome. I Damn. look, you see, this was disturbing on all sorts of levels. I, I had never like, I mean, I knew that that was a thing that psycho bad psychiatrists did. In or psychologists, psychologists, psychologists do. Yeah did in bat inside in you know uh hearings for children like i i've heard of that what i didn't know was the term and how widely used this insane it was, was yeah well i mean that was not part of your world it was part no, of my world wasn't. see i mean that's what i what i when i think about this i mean there was listening to dylan and then there's sort of echoing parts of my own childhood experience like yeah. i i mean i didn't get really really upset like in in the sense of I wasn't having uh flashbacks or anything else. It was just I was listening to her and I'm going, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Been there. Yep. It been there, been there, been there, been mm -hmm. there. And that was tough. But all of this other stuff and this this asshole with his, you know, never believes the child. Never. And that was his theme. Never, Never believe the, the child. The child is always women are prone to hysteria. I mean, I'm just sitting there. And I mean, that that's the sort of stuff I was fighting all the time. Yeah, that's you're always you you're you just have to. And it's so ingrained in the society that women are somehow or another hysterical, that women yeah. are somehow or another vengeful that women are somehow or another and let me tell you popular culture like i am not all that thrilled that all these women you know all uh, all of these movies about all of these women who are becoming just as awful as men yeah you know i mean yeah that plays right into it i it i mean There's i hate to say it that that plays into it it plays into that so somehow or an, an idea like i used to always say it's not a success. You you think I can remember having that one argument once in when I was in my university days. And yeah. it I said, look, you know, if you're gonna set up the same sort of system and the same sort of relationships and everything else that men have and men and women have, yeah. uh, you know, if if women think that somehow or another, if they emulate men then that's going to make everything all right. No, everything that we complained about men are what you want to get rid of. You don't yeah. want to become like them. Like I'm thinking about, you know, I mean, you you do heist or whatever that stupid movie was and all these revenge movies, women getting revenge and women yeah. taking it out on men. And You're it's again, the same language and it's and, of male violence, except now you're just swapping in a woman. Yeah. And, and it is still men who are running the industry. It is still yeah. men who make these things, but then you get these women who then come up with these wonderful things. And I don't know. I mean, I have real questions sometimes just, you know, the whole horror genre and all of it. Right. Yeah. Like I just, I'm not, as I say, I am anti-censorship. So consequently, but I do look at it and I'm going, this is not the way. 
Yep. This is not the way forward and you're not going to get anywhere. And this guy epitomizes that because, I mean, although it sounds, his language sounds outmoded, what happens is that the status quo and the institution finds ways of changing the language and changing the words so that it sounds better. Like yeah, he sounds its control by just yeah. changing how they're phrasing patriarchy. Yeah. In other words, we don't talk about we don't talk about hysteria. Women are hysterical anymore. Yeah. No, this is apparent alienation syndrome. Yeah. Let's give it a name and let's bring it up. And but and we're still by the way, blaming not, women. Oh, we're still blaming the women. And let's not let anyone peer review my work. That's the thing. Yeah, thing yeah that really was like. the funniest. Yeah. They're like, oh, by the way, A, he doesn't live, uh, let anyone peer review his work. And B, when he was confronted with a horrific amount of stories about people who are actually getting molested by their parents, his response was, well, is it really so bad that children become aware of sexuality earlier? Because the earlier people start having kids, the more successful we are as a species. Like, what? That is the most insane defense of child molestation I've ever heard. And 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 it's an old, old. Oh, yeah. It's a very old one. It's a very old idea. Like, it is yeah. better for a man. Well, let's go back to the Bible. And let's yeah. go back to Lot screwing his, his children. His so, yeah. his daughters. So that, so that, because there's, there's none of their generation left anymore. Exactly. Their We've whole got town to got procreate other people, so we have to make more of us. I know it's insane. It's horrific and it's insane, but it's the attitudes that have per- persisted. Mm-hmm. You know? Like uh no, like the people who are, I mean, I hate to use the term, rape apologists oh, who will say, and you know they're out there, you've seen them, who will say, Well, you know, historically, right? People came in and tribes stole the women and blah, 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 blah. It's the origin story of Rome, in fact. Right? The guys coming in and stealing women. At least, at least they called it the rape of the Sabine women. women. (laughs) You know, know, that came up in a YouTube video I was watching with a historian talking about Rome. And I'm like, uh, and he referred to it as the taking of the Sabine women. And I'm like, look, I know you don't want your video to get demonetized. And that's why you're not saying that word. But if this is not a subject you should ever use the less offensive word to describe. No, because that that is what it was always called. The rape it's of the always been called the rape as, of the Sabbath women. I mean, this is this right is there. right. And then, you know, but of course, after a year, yeah. they these women are with these men after a year, of mm-hmm. course, these women don't want to go back home. They've got yeah. children probably and everything already so by the way that's why it's a year later because they have children a year later yeah yeah and so they finally get together right Mm -hmm. and then you have the rape of lucretia Mm -hmm. and that's what they called it and that ended that ended kingship and you ended up with a republic so and what fascinates me is these these apologists are like, well, if if your ancestors hadn't stolen women and raped women, you wouldn't be here. And I'm like, A, you don't know that because nobody no. tried it. There yeah. still would have been plenty of people had there been less sexual assault. You know, yeah. like we don't need it to survive as a race. 
plenty of people are having kids without women having to be kidnapped and imprisoned. So I don't think we need to bring that back. You horrible monsters. Yes. But it's the same way that this guy is saying, well, you know, the more kids we have, the happier we'll be as a race. So it's fine if you're raping 13 year olds. No, it's not. It is absolutely not. Because we have evolved enough as a species that we can stop talking about what is necessary for the survival of the species and start talking more about what is better for the happiness and actualization of the individual members of that species. We're not fighting leopards for scraps of rabbit anymore. So we can start living in a little more civilized condition, I think. This this show really made me very angry. The, no, this these four through. episodes, there, oh. the, the everything about it, this yeah. poor child. But this it's what is child. the horror is everything that happened around it. Yeah, you know, and the media and the justification. The whole society oh, and I arranged to make her to ensure she didn't get better. And I will tell you, yeah. I will tell you that if I had been watching CNN. Mm-hmm. Back in when did Dylan's thing come out? Yeah, years, uh, two years, four years. no two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, think. yeah, like right, and then two thousand and eighteen she came back, and there's Chris Cuomo, and there's there's um, uh, Cooper Anderson Cooper, you yep. know, and I'm just going. You you're making friggin', excuses. You yeah. friggin' New Yorkers. Yep. Because they'll all and they, stand up for their Woody Allen. And, and um, you know, I haven't heard them. I mean, I've stopped watching CNN again. But, That's I mean, fair. I only got, I only, you know, not not because of this. It's I just, know. It's just, I just can't stand the, everything is, the media out of the United States, and sometimes Canada tries to emulate it, other places try to emulate it. But, mm-hmm. boy, the media out of the United States is just so fraught with oh horrific preconceptions well i was gonna say like preconceptions uh just on the kids stuff talking about how this uh the whole american hatred of their own children that permeates every level of their society well that's going back to to letty pogrobin's book yeah uh, called uh, Family Politics. Everybody should go back and read that. I mean, I wish people would read it. Nobody knows it. And all of a sudden you're fighting about, no, she said it. Do Americans hate their children? Yeah. And all signs point to yes. Yeah. All signs point to yes. <laughs> you know. Um, um, all right. So we should probably move on to the most tragic part of the whole series uh, at the grand finale, which is uh, Moses's article. <sighs> That was heartbreaking because I didn't know that part of the story. And I got to say, one of the smartest editing moves I've ever seen a documentarian make is doing this whole segment like half an hour before we get to Moses's story where Ronan Farrow is talking about how, yeah, uh, my dad approached me about turning against Dylan publicly. And it was basically said in, you know, not in so many words, but basically the message was you can have 
of whatever you want. It's like I have unlimited money and I have unlimited clout in this industry. So whatever you want to do, you can have it. You just need to be publicly on my side in this front. And of course he didn't do it. Yeah. But they tell that story. And then half an hour later, oh, by the way, here's Moses's letter. I'm like, oh, wow. Damn, that was rough. Like, and as you said, I don't know what kind of a mother she was. I feel like had she been throwing people down staircases, you know, and locking them in closets for speaking, you know, for like talking back, one of the other kids would have mentioned it. Right. I I feel like that would have come up. But more importantly, that whole thing where he tries to, again, gaslight her into saying there was no train set, blah, 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 blah. She's obviously making this up in a cynical attempt to make it sound good. And then, like, literally, they just cut right to the actual police report from 1992. Yeah. Yeah. Or 93, where the cops went up there in the crawl space. And here's the police, the actual police sketch from 25 years ago it's like yep there's a train set in the police sketch yep like (laughs) do you need to know anything more right like shouldn't that be enough to prove it shouldn't that be enough to settle this once and for all but no like he well the moses story they set up so perfectly about how thrilled he was to be adopted i know by by because he was the only one he was really the only one and i guess dylan without a father yeah so woody was so huge for him yeah yeah and he apparently he 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 got along so well with moses yep the whole time right and so we i mean the assumption what you were supposed to infer is that of course woody offered him the world it was a real uh, Jesus in the desert type of situation. And uh, Moses did not say no. So yeah. very unchristlike of you there, Moses. In this analogy, uh, yes. Satan is Woody Allen. Of and course. I am comfortable <laughs> with that analogy, in case you were wondering. Uh, I, I hope you are as well, 100% comfortable well, with as the I... analogy where Woody Allen is Satan. Uh, no, yeah, I, I don't have any problems here. Um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, he just kept looking. And so it it is, um, it is, God, it was just, it was, it is so sad at the same time, you know, it, but um, it is, it is nice that, um, Woody Allen films, you know, are kind of yes. Well, but it did make twenty twenty two million or two hundred and twenty yeah, million worldwide, even if it wasn't shown in the United States. And the way he talks, you know, about how hysterical everybody in the United States is. No, I know. Woody is a self delusionary, yeah, person who has been aided and abetted by his psychiatrist for all his life who who mm-hmm. as i'm sure and whoever else everybody's i mean it it is these this idea that somehow or another if you're a genius you can get away with crap yep and that's where we're going to enter the big final question in this which is art versus artist yeah and one of the film critics says because she wrote an article and it was 
very like um lots of people yelled at her for writing this article yeah. uh and she's like i'm never gonna watch another woody allen movie while he's yeah. alive she had and to shut down her feed because <laughs> there was so much hostility yeah and that's the thing it's like <sighs> what 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 is the line she uses it's not like wagner is getting a check yeah. When I buy a recording of it. <laughs> Bach. Bach. Yeah, I think Bach. Yeah. Yeah, because Wagner, in like virulent anti Semite inspired Nazi thought. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, you know, we play Ride of the Valkyries. He's not getting a check. So it's kind of acceptable to listen to him. But while Woody Allen's getting money, is it moral to consume his work? Yeah. Well, it's. And, it's... Look, it yeah. it is the same problem that we had, that we have with Michael Jackson. Yep. Like, I think that analysis was really good. It's it's the same. I can't, like, I will not deny that Michael Jackson is Unbelievably a... talented. Yeah, is a very, very talented person. But I can't listen to his music anymore. And I just can't. I'll shut it off. I just don't want to listen Do you to know it. What? And it's really too bad because there was some really good stuff with the Jackson Five. Oh God, yes. And and that Thriller album was great. Do but you know what happened to me the day he died, like literally the day he died. I'm like, I haven't listened to a Michael Jackson song in I don't know how many years. I mean, since it all came out. Yeah. You know, since it all came out in the mid nineties, I hadn't listened to a Michael Jackson song in you know what fifteen years when he died, something mm-hmm. like that. And the minute he died, I just like, <laughs> oh, he's dead now. Great. Turned on YouTube, loaded up Smooth Criminal, and just really enjoyed myself. <laughs> like literally, the minute I found out he died, the first thing I did was turn on Smooth Criminal. Yeah, well, and- because I am more her point of view. It's like once he's dead, once he's not getting money for it, I can consume the art. You know, <laughs> yeah, once, but once... do you want to consume the art? That's that's the other. Well, yeah, that's the other conversation. And I would argue that Michael Jackson, while he is a a, a loathsome human being in the worst possible way, it's not like the art has anything to do with his crimes. And I know that this is I'm splitting a lot of hairs and I am doing a lot of things. But the thing about uh Woody Allen is his crimes are all over his art. Yeah, that's and, and that's where it separates from. Them, and and I think they've made a good point of saying it just made it acceptable. Somehow yeah. or another, when Woody Allen did it, it was acceptable. Yeah. If anyone else made this movie about him lusting after children, well, everyone I think would have been rightfully shocked. Oh, but because it's Woody Allen, he's just you know this this nebbishy. You know, he's, oh, he's just this nebbishy and the, the whole world's out to get him. And he doesn't know any better. It's like, oh, my God, a woman smiled at him. What is he to do? Uh, you know, the fact oh, that yeah. it's a child should frigging factor into the what should he do. But it doesn't for him because he's Woody Allen. And, he, oh, he's just so fraught. And he's he just doesn't know how the world works. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah. Sure. I, just, the man is a manipulator par excellence. Exactly. And that's what I found, like. I love that this cuts through all of it. And you've got all of these people coming out here and saying, he uses that image. He uses the, like he has created this persona for himself and he uses it 
to keep people from calling him on what he's doing. Yeah, they believe that he is the person the character that he, he plays. He plays. That's yeah. that's what you know. They don't we come see quite over and over again. That that's that's the clear way you should say it. Yeah, he exactly. Is the person he? Everybody believes that Woody Allen is the person that he plays in his movies. Yeah. And that's just not the case. And it isn't the case. And, but that's, I mean, they did a good job of analyzing that part of it too, that people have Mm -hmm. a real hard time when they've identified and when separating, Yeah, you know, people from, ah, you know, and I'm going, yeah. Um, and I would not say that you ban and censor or whatever, because I'm not going to. But I think you have to look at things a little bit differently. Um, yeah. Well, I think it completely, we, knowing this stuff, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, completely changes how you read his work. Completely changes. Well, for a lot of people, it should. Yeah. I think that for a lot of people, it has. Mm-hmm. And... um and once, like, I'm not so sure about these people who, like, oh, I, it's that everybody bought this. I mean, just listening to Diane Keaton, you know, well, don't you understand, <sighs> Diane, that, that, yes, you were one of these women that he's not going to. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and he could probably, yes, he made your career. Yeah. And that's Annie what Hall. she says, like, I don't have a career. I'm not sitting here talking to you, she says, if it wasn't for Woody Allen. Yeah, you know, and well. I'm sure that's true. Well, maybe. Well, no, she was extremely talented. She was extremely talented. But, so but Annie Hall extremely... is the thing that yeah, made it, it her. It got her her break. And that's the thing. It's like, she knows better than most that in Hollywood, it doesn't matter if you're extremely talented, if you yeah. never get your break. Yeah. And if Woody Allen. Part, gave her that break. Gave her that break. And yeah. so she's indebted to him. And so, therefore, it's harder for her, for her. Yeah. to deal to deal with this as well. And uh, But I never liked Annie Hall anyway, so. <laughs> it's not a great movie. But Christopher Walken's got a really good scene in it. Well, yeah, but Christopher Walken, you know. He's always I, great. Yeah. Now, I'll watch anything Michael Caine's in. Uh, I'm and almost. you're still not watching Hannah and her sisters, yeah. Yeah, but I'm still not watching Hannah and her sisters. And I'm still not watching. Like I'm, you know, I doesn't matter. Michael Caine is Michael Caine, and but it's the same thing with Christopher Walken. Yeah, you know, where it's um, like there are these. But I mean, it's fair to say that like the way Hollywood works is like if you don't get your break, it yeah. could never happen for you, no matter how talented you are. Like, uh, you know, there are actors who just like they're just too similar to another actor who's already successful, and so they just never get their break. And it's tragic, you know, it's sad for them, but it happens. And she's very cognizant that she's a celebrity because of one movie, you know, and she feels like she owes him. And I'd be like, okay, feel like you owe him, but I'm not going to say you don't owe him your career. You do. But that doesn't mean you have to pretend he's not a monster. Yeah. You know? And... Yeah, but that's the way people want to separate this because, I mean, there was the one, you know, the the art and the artist. Well, you know, but yet you got that clip, clip from the movie, 
like after this one says yes but you know the art and the artists are different and you know so you should be able to watch the art separate from the artist and then you get the clip from one of woody allen's movie movies right where she said where where the girl is saying that and the guy says no 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 the art and the artist are one in the same same i know how perfect is that yeah and that's what you have to sometimes you have to think about yeah um you know, uh, it was it was funny. I remember my art, one of my art teachers. I was doing art history courses at U of O. Mm-hmm. And one That's of my, University of Ottawa. University of Ottawa. Yeah. Not University of Ohio. In in yeah, <laughs> University of Ottawa in Canada because there yeah. is an Ottawa in Kansas. That's true, and in California. Oh no, yeah. that's Ontario. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, there's an Ottawa. Anyway, Kansas. yes, there's an Ottawa, Kansas, because our wedding invitations <laughs> went to Ottawa, Kansas. <laughs> It was very bizarre. It was the first time I ever knew there was an Ottawa, Kansas. Um, But anyway. um, So anyway, Ottawa taking art history course. I was taking an art history course, right? And um, so she was um, talking about Van Gogh. Right. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Anyway, Dutch. We have to pronounce it the right way. (laughs) Anyway. and and she said, and she loved his paintings right, right. and all this sort of stuff and everything. And she said her first history course. And then she was, you know, and so there was an analysis of this. And uh, her professor mm-hmm. mentioned that, of course, he was severely depressed all the time. Yeah. And he had, so he had, as we would today call it, severe mental health issues. <laughs> he did. And, um, and she said, she says, I just wondered and i guess the thing made made the teacher made some comment about people who really like it right yeah you know and and she said is is it the illness that's speaking to you yes right and that sort of thing and she never looked at 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 it at them the same way again and i'm just going well they're great but then again he was my mother's favorite artist Fair. (laughs) fair enough no, I mean, you're what I always say about people who write. And I mean, I would say this about Woody Allen. Yeah. What he was doing was getting his demons out on film. Yeah. Um, writers stayed get, contained to the film. It would have been one thing, but he hooked up with Mia Farrow and ended up he could put his demons into practice. Yeah. Like, I don't know what his films have been like, whether they're the same way after Sunyi, but you know um and that whole thing whether there was a shift in his films because i've never seen anything i haven't seen seen a couple of the later films and no they're all still the same they're all still the same okay so he so he didn't manage to cure his demons no but um well no but the whole point of the film and the art very often right that part of it is getting out getting out those demons your nightmares your dear well we talked about this when we talked about the collector yep about how like there was this severe that man had severe issues well no you have to wonder yeah because he never wrote anything like that again no 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 this these were his fantasies 
you know, and that that was the conclusion we came to that, that you know, I mean, yeah. I remember I said that, well, maybe he was just, he had these, these urges and these ideas and he got it out in a in fabulous collector. book. The book was. It's incredible. It's an yeah. incredible book. It's an incredible book. And, um, and it's the, re- and by the way, it's the reason we weren't scared of him is no one who didn't have empathy could have written the second half of that book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what makes it such a good book. But like you said, he was still dealing with these urges, whether yeah. or not he had empathy to ensure that he never acted on. Them. Yeah. And that he could understand how horrible it had to have been for this girl. Oh, God. That's why, you know, doing the two parts. And I think that, um, you know, and mm-hmm. never, he never wrote anything like that again. No. And, yeah. um, it's a perfectly good example of a part, and that's the conclusion we came to. If you haven't listened to this episode, we did a between seasons episode where we watch, read the book, The Collector, and watched the movie, The Collector. Yeah. And, uh, it's about a serial killer, Dodoy. Uh, but it's really fantastic. And we are the conclusion we came to is that this is a man who used essentially this kind of art to deal with his own problems with women yeah. uh, that are in there. And oh God, are they in there? It's yeah, it's such an amazing book. <coughs> and we also gave thumbs up to the movie. Oh yeah, no, the movie's fantastic. But I mean, the, the of course book we're is give thumbs up to the movie. Uh, it's I mean, yeah, who's the star of the movie? It's, it's, um, oh God, uh, Terrence Stamp. Stamp. It's Terrence Stamp. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, it was, it was, um, it was, um. It's an incredible movie, but I think it's worth pointing out that right when we were talking about the movie, it, the movie doesn't have the half that's told from her point of view because it can't, it's a movie. Like the movie, the the book is a first person narrative by a serial killer. And then you get to the end of the story and then we rewind and we tell the exact same story again from the point of view of his victim. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's so well written. Yep. And he so understands this woman. And that's why we were like, this is a man who had urges, but he had too much empathy to ever, you know, become a killer himself. But he had to put it all out there. Yeah. And uh, so that's how he it did it. The system. And it was the first book he wrote. And then he stuck it in a drawer for five years. Because who's going to publish this thing? Yeah. And and it was only after he became successful otherwise that he had a place that he could say, okay, I need this book to be out there. Yeah. And so he finally published The Collector. Oh, it's it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Like it really is. I would, I would recommend that book to anyone. It's so incredible. Uh, but anyway, so yes, that is our feelings on the art and the artist. So we're going to wrap up our uh, Alan V. Farrow thing here and just say, if we haven't completely ruined every moment of it, which we may have, uh, consider watching it yourself. I think you're going to, if you decide to watch it, you will be impressed. Like, I, I think, that I think people should certainty. watch it. I don't think that we, we gave ruined our, every part. no, I don't think yeah. we ruined it. Like the, it, it, it is in some ways unruinable. Right. Like, because I hadn't thought about it, but I think you're right. That you have to see it to really understand. And you have to listen to, to Dylan as, as she's going through all of these things and talking about all of this. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know how anybody can walk away and say, 
it's it's about time society yep. friggin' changed. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe stopped. we could just stop eating our children. <sighs> you know, yeah. I the know whole society saying. is frigging Kronos. Yeah. <laughs> eating our, no, it is. It's a it's a resonant story that lasted for millennia for a reason because Kronos is a story about killing your children to prevent them from taking over the world from you. Yeah. That's what that story is about. That's literally what that story is about. And from a figurative standpoint, it's an unbelievably important story because it is so much at the heart of why, as you say, Americans hate their children. It's because they don't want to stop being in charge. Yeah. Uh, to perfect example of that, your generation, the baby boomers. God, yeah. Who have spent, you know, the past, ever since they took over in the 80s, have spent 40 solid years just trashing the earth trashing just, america and ruining it yeah and not just not just oh yeah i i mean i was going to say not just trashing it but just it's it's like the whole thing and never wanting to give up no nope. and never wanting to you know pass the baton we have an entire generation called generation x that never got to be in charge of anything because now a war is happening between the boomers and the millennials. And there's all these 50-somethings going into 60-somethings who are the Generation Xers who are like, what about us? Why did we never get our shot? Yeah. You know? Like, they were this entire lost generation that never got a chance to, like, run things. Because the boomers would never let go. I mean, I yeah. go back to the... uh I go back to the uh, that wonderful Doonesbury. When is the age of the boomer going to be uh, over? And the answer is when whatever magazine does a spread on uh, what the hot funeral homes are. <laughs> that one stuck with me. That one joke has stuck with me for like 30 years. I've just been rereading Doonesbury. There's oh a lot of good stuff in God. there. Jeez. There really is. Yeah. Man, there's a ton of good stuff in Doonesbury. We can talk about Doonesbury from uh, some other time. For now, uh, we'll wrap up and say, join us back here on Thursday for... What are they watching Thursday? Uh, thir no, Tuesday is Prodigal Son. Oh, Tuesday is the new episode of Prodigal Son. And then Thursday, we'll wrap well, up season 14? Not yet. One no. We've got two more close. weeks of okay. season, season 14. fourteen. All right, so yeah. more season fourteen. That's great. Uh, I'm gonna plug a movie of mine. Okay. That just came out. Everybody should watch Come True. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, we. Uh, I'm sure we mentioned Come True in the past, but it's actually watchable now. Uh, you know, we couldn't plug it in one of our pre-recorded shows because we didn't know exactly when it was coming out. And it came out in late March. So it is now 100% watchable. And I'm going to encourage you to do so because I think it's a great movie. Um, and it's you getting have to, like, hot reviews. Oh, no, it's fantastically. It's fantastic. Like, I think Rotten Tomatoes is like 85%. 86%. Or 86%. She corrected me. There you go. Uh, no, but people love it people adore this movie. Now I will say this, it's more divisive among viewers than it is among critics. Cause it is a very moody, slow burn tone piece kind of horror movie. Do not expect monsters or decapitations or anything like that. But I, I stand by that. It's a very good movie. And I, I think you'll like it. 
Like I recommended people watch Our House and I think a lot of people did enjoy Our House, but this is a better movie than Our House and it might even be a better movie than Butcher's, the other movie of mine that came out in March. Yeah, well, that's... Butcher's is much easier to watch because it's already on uh, Prime. So you can just turn that up whenever. Well, I think that what's its face? I went to IFC and they said that it was on... um, It was on Prime. No, but I think you have to pay for it. Like, it's available on Prime. Uh, Come True isn't free on Prime. You still have to pay for it. It actually did a theatrical release. I mean, you know, there are no theaters right now, so it was open in, like, three theaters. Yeah. And by the way, that's the thing that heartens me most. You know why it opened in three theaters, right? So it could be... Available for for awards consideration next year. Yep. And so, yeah, I got a movie that the producers liked enough that they made it available, like, they want it to be considered for awards next year. That's huge. Yeah. Like, that is that is gigantic, and I hope it goes well for uh, the director, Anthony Burns, who's super talented and deserves to finally have a hit. I'm just glad I could help him out with this movie, because it's a really, really good movie. Yep. All right. Uh, so that's enough narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> yes, normally you save that for the AVOD. Normally I save that for the AVA, but today I just wanted to make sure that everybody got, you know, a chance to know about this. It's yes. uh, the best thing. I was actually on the uh, the Hidden Object Guru stream. I was telling people to check out the podcast, uh, this one, because they, uh, you know, they mentioned they love Criminal Minds. And I'm like, oh, well, I have a podcast about that. Uh, yeah. And, how uh, did the you big miss thing that? Is, <laughs> how, did, how exactly did you miss that? You never looked at the page? Anyway, you know what? Yeah. I'm not here to fight. No. Uh, but the funny part was... That uh, the big thing I'm like, what you have to understand is it's not so much a podcast uh, about Criminal Minds. It is just us looking for any opportunity to talk about Spencer Reed <laughs> more than anything else. And the person was like, OK, I get that because there's a lot to talk about with Spencer Reed. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and It's true. There really, really, really is. Uh, so, yes, I'm so excited that you're going to people are going to finally be able to hear our um what is Criminal Minds miniseries that's going to go up when all of the episodes are done. Uh, Because not only was it very like cathartic for us to really just look at Criminal Minds as a whole and talk about it. I, I ended up being hugely surprised at how satisfying it was to just really get all of the Spencer Reed stuff out there. Just like talk about Spencer Reed and put it all in one place. That made me unbelievably happy. So yeah, it's uh it's going to you're going to have access to some really good podcasts coming soon. Uh but for now, obviously, if you have any questions or comments, if there's any profiling related fiction or just socially interesting related fiction uh, fiction or true crime as you've just heard what we did, you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds@gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh we'll see you back here all this week for more episodes with new stuff. Uh, but until then, I'd like to say thanks for listening and au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.